This is The Analysis, a weekly examination of the culture in light of truth. I'm Deanna Huff. And I'm Mark DeMoss. Join us as we investigate and analyze the environment of the world where we live. We will be shedding the light of God's Word on the issues. And responding as Christians to influence followers of Jesus Christ to share the gospel with those around them. Well, Deanna, as we begin to talk about the analysis and how we engage the culture and how, as Christians, we are going to have an influence and an impact upon the world in which we live, um, thinking about the big picture of that, we understand that that is a relationship thing. And we are engaging the culture through our relationships. We're in relationship with one another. We're in relationship with people in the world. That begins with a relationship with God and understanding our relationship with God right. And so if we're going to have the kind of Christian influence we ought to have, which is, I think, our goal of conversing and having these conversations together, it is to help other believers no, I can do this. I can live here and I can engage and I can I can still operate. I don't have to run and hide and I don't have to hold a picket sign. And those tend to be kind of the two yeah. extremes. That's right. I can do this. I think that's what we're trying to help them do. And so it's a relationship thing, though, yeah. relating to God. Yeah, and you know, you're so right because I think we get on this pendulum swing where we think, oh my goodness, I don't want to be over there. So we try to swing way back over the other way, and instead of being balanced, now we're completely on the other side. Right. And so we don't want to do that for sure. And I'm in agreement. I mean, being in the culture and being able to engage the culture, but it starts with that, what you're talking about, that relationship, that relationship with God. And one way uh, that we've talked about saying it is your view of God will determine your life decisions. Right. And, of course, that's a famous Tozer quote, A.W. Tozer, for people that like to read, um, probably have come across that name or some things that he's written. And just his, one of his famous quotes is, your view of God is going to direct everything that happens in your life. And I'm summarizing what he said. It's a longer quote than that. But what we believe about God dictates everything else. Um, and what we're seeing within the culture is even in the, and we're using culture in a broad term, I want to use it in humanity, what we're seeing in humanity, Christian or non-Christian, our views of God are becoming different even in the Christian world. In the Christian culture, there's people that have different views of God. How do we do that together with Christians that are different from us and attack God? That's what I'm struggling through and trying to figure out as I'm thinking through the big issues of our world, loving God, who is he? How do I do that? Where does that go? Um, our view of God is, is important. Yeah, and you know, some of just the practical issues about our view of God, we could put different uh ideas on those. I mean, we're, we're definitely walking through a time of making decisions on identity and a lot of issues of the day. Mm. But really, it comes back to um, who is God's identity? What has He said? And then, you know, moving into that next step of who, who actually are we? And being able to, to live in that culture. And one of the things that I love about the narrative of the Bible and, and and something that's so unique is 
in the beginning in the garden where uh, God has created mankind and now he's created them for relationship you know that they're going to bring him glory but there's a relationship there and it's not just in the garden though and and we've talked about this you see this in the garden and then you see him desiring a relationship when he brings Israel out and they make the tabernacle right. and he's in their presence and then in the temple and then Christ and then revelation and what's going to happen at the end we're going to be at the banquet table in relationship but when we're in relationship we have to have a proper view of the identity of the people around us and who we are and i th- i think that we're struggling in our culture especially with as christians we feel like if we're going to you know ex- express truth that it has to be in in a loving and gentle and caring way and that is true but it's almost as if we say to do that that means that you subtract truth oh man yeah that's a good word and and i just i i don't think that that's what god intended even in the beginning after the fall you know he brought christ to redeem us and us to be able to you know have this ex- expression of of relationship together but it has to be with our understanding of who is he and and he's the one who lays out the rules. He's the one who lays out the law. And not because he's a tyrant, but because he desires the best for us. Yeah. If, if I'm going to identify with the world around me in such a way that I can bring them the gospel, I've got to have a pretty good grasp on my identity. Mm-hmm. And, and you're expressing something that I think we miss in the identity conversation, and that is my identity comes from Him. He sets identity. God sets identity. I don't set my identity. He does. And oftentimes, I want, I want to define my identity, so I redefine Him so that now my identity feels good or makes sense to me, and it can still say it's, it came from Him or it's okay by Him. I can be who I want to be. I, I re-identify God, but He He has an identity. He is the supreme being. He's the He's the originator of all things. And so, if identity flows from Him, I draw my identity from Him. Now, if I get my identity right, because I've got His identity right, I can begin to identify. And until that happens, we misidentify with the culture. And that's why I think we watch and have conversations with people who are struggling so desperately. I see the problems of the world. I want to engage. I want to help. I want to make the right decisions. I don't even know what to do. I think I know right and wrong. I think I know the moral and the immoral answer. But I don't know how to do that in such a way that I don't offend or that I don't compromise. Yeah. And it goes back to the identity question. Yeah. And you know, what's a a story that this reminds me of, I can't remember which book I read this in. I I wish I could at this moment, but talking about identity and understanding who God is and who we are and, and how he created things, really a lot of it is wrapped up in that whole idea of purpose. You know, what, what is our purpose? What were we created for? The writer is talking about how when we make things, we have boundaries okay Mm -hmm. so a ship 
is made with boundaries. Those boundaries are, it does nothing useful on land. Every aspect of the the design is built with this purpose of being able to sell. Mm -hmm. Right. But it, it even it even has boundaries. There are things that it cannot do if it doesn't have the right conditions. And I think that when we miss the mark is that we think as humanity, we can set whatever boundaries we want. We can do whatever we want. And that is misguided. And yeah. we're not really fulfilling the potential of the purpose when we're outside of that. And when we miss the mark on who God is, we're gonna miss the mark on who we are. God is the only being that we can say has no boundaries. And I don't know that that's a fully accurate statement. He's eternal, he's infinite. So in those terms we go, oh, no boundaries. But the truth is God cannot sin or he breaks his character. There's a boundary within even not just God's design, the things that he's done, God's very being and essence. And he's the infinite being. Mm-hmm. But there has to be boundary. And, and that's a good conversation to have for people to think through. Um, we really do think uh, if God loves me and God's got a good and perfect plan for my life, then all this other stuff just limits me. And God wouldn't limit me if he loved me. He wouldn't, he wouldn't put boundaries on me if he cared about me. And boundaries are exactly the signal of care. Mm-hmm. If I love my kids, I create boundaries for them that protect them from dangers. Those may be physical dangers. Those may be emotional dangers. But I protect them from dangers. I, and, and I put boundary there. And those are signs of my love. And kind of natural parenting instinct understands that. And even parents that say, well, I want my kids to have freedom of choice. You created a boundary for them. Mm-hmm. You, you created a, a framework in which you expect them to think and behave. You created a boundary for them. And so God, understanding God, who, who God is and how he's made us and then how we relate to him is the driving question. And Jesus, Jesus said it when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? Mm-hmm. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and then he wanted to add to that. But he began with that base statement, and he added to, then love your neighbor as yourself. And those two things weren't different things. Mm-hmm. They, they are the natural outflow. If you relate to God right, you will relate to man right. The Ten Commandments do the same thing. But we're missing just the we're missing just the relating to God right. Mm-hmm. And you used a word earlier that I want to think about more, and that's God's presence, and being in His presence, and dwelling in His presence, and how He presents Himself and made Himself present to us. I, that that is a concept that we need to get right. Yeah, and I think the more we spend time in His presence and reading His Word, the more the opportunity the Holy Spirit has to show us and reveal to us who He is and who we are. And sometimes we have to realize and acknowledge, you know what, I, I've, I've uh, moved these boundary lines into kind of what I want them to be, and I'm kind of making you God the way I want to make you, and 
I'm going to have to realize that that's not exactly the way it's supposed to be. I mean, it's logical for us to think that when we create something, everything we create, even this mouse and this mouse pad that I'm looking at, I mean, I'm not going to go use it for a tire. It's just, it has a purpose in it. Right. And I'm not going to redefine that. We especially can't do that with God. Mm. And we surely can't do that with our own lives. However, I think we're in a culture where we're saying, if we say that that's wrong, that we're not loving. But it's actually not us saying that it's wrong. Jesus says, he who loves me will obey my commandments. And I, and I, mm. I ask a question with people sometimes. I, I say, what are his commandments? I mean, if we actually go through the text of just, let's just do the four Gospels, getting that view of God and who He is and His expectation of us and realizing that that's love. Well, and that's why He presented Himself in the garden, right? He created Adam and Eve, and then He comes into their presence. He didn't make them and then set them in a garden and then watch and observe or play with them like toys. I've made something, now I get to enjoy it. He came into their presence. Mm -hmm. uh, and the very first temptation was to, to ignore God's presence, to, to redefine what God had said, to redefine the way He wanted to relate to them. Uh, God's keeping something from you. He's holding out on you. He's not being truthful with you. Um, and in believing that lie, they find themselves doing what? Hiding now from his presence. And he continued to pursue presence with them. I'm going to make presence possible even through your sin. And first with animal coverings so that your your sin can be cleared. And, and in the pursuit of them as a people group, a nation state eventually. And the cross, you took us there earlier. But he's, he continued the pursuit to be in our presence um, and it's not our job to figure out who he is. It's our job to get in his presence, let his presence be made manifest to us, and and learn who he is. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, that is so good. And I'll tell you, the, the whole idea and thought of him wanting to, to sit down at a banquet table with me I think I'm overwhelmed. You know, you can sit down with anyone, and I can name all the greatest people in the world, movie stars, theologians, it really doesn't matter. Right. To say anyone would be better for you to invite. I mean, I should have some little table in the back, you know. <laughs> but he's going to know my name. Right. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to bring to the culture that, hope and that relationship that he longs to have with them and you can't do that through hateful methods mm -hmm. but you also cannot do that without bringing the truth of who he is yeah because it it doesn't feel good to say there's a god that wants to be in your presence with you but it's the false god of some kind of your own making of their own making mm -hmm. and to find out that's no God at all. There's really no hope in that. There's no peace in that. But the real God does want to have that relationship. Yeah, and, and you know, this reminds me of Jeremiah 23. You know, the people are, are getting ready to go in bondage, mm -hmm. and 
uh, you know, Jeremiah is bringing this message. And they're like, no, the prophets and the, the people who are in charge of the, you know, spiritual things, they're telling us everything's going to be fine. Yeah. They're saying peace. And God speaks through and he says, listen, they're not saying who I am. They're not revealing who I am. They're revealing who you want me to be. And that's not who I am. And so there's this recognition of, oh, my goodness, you know. um, Mm. You know, not by the people at that point. There's not a recognition. No. But, you know, Jeremiah's trying to tell him, listen, if you would have stood in my counsel, if you would have stood in the counsel of the Lord, then you would have known him, repented of your sins, and turned back to me. But... We didn't do that, and I I fear that that we are in danger. We are in danger of people believing that they're clinging to the one true God, when in reality, it's not the God of the Bible. Yeah, it's not the one true God, but yet He desires to be with us. Yeah. He desires for us to come to Him. And to and to be able to see that we got to be in His presence. We got to read His Word and and know who He is. Uh, and I think that's that's really the the message the church needs to be trying to bring is um, let's not figure out how to be relevant to the culture, and let's not figure out how to kind of win them over to like us, and then we can share with them the gospel. Uh, now the message we need to bring to the culture is there is a real God. He really does love you, and you can be in His presence, but you get in His presence through His Word. That's how you get to know who this God is. And there's hard things in the Word. Mm-hmm. The Word says things to me I don't like. It tells me things about myself that need to change. But it's not because He's manipulating me. It's for my good. And I can now be in His presence if I'll hear His word and you use this, like, if, if you obey me, right? If you love me, you'll obey my commands. I need to read that word and I need to learn and long to obey it. And if I will, and I'll ask His help and ask forgiveness, He'll empower me to do that very thing. That's what is astounding to me is I don't naturally want to do what He wants. Yeah, me neither. But... When I've decided that I'm going to trust in His Son, He empowers me and gives me a longing to do what He says to do and that I am capable of doing it. I don't know how that works, but I know that's what happens. And I know that's the testimony of Scripture for many. And so, again, I, we shy away either from the message mm-hmm. because we got, we got to win the culture over. Or we just come across hateful. And it's not about God's presence. It's about, you better straighten up or he's going to throw you in hell. And that's a true statement, but it's not the whole story. That's right. It's a story of his presence. And it's a story of the banquet table. And it's a story of eating together and being his people and him being our God. And that he's good and he's loving and he's just and he's right. And we want, don't we want our rulers to be just and right and good, whatever ruler it is. Yeah, absolutely. That's <clears throat> such a good description of what we really want. And we all have rulers, but the greatest ruler we want 
to be right and good and justice and mercy and all of those things. And he truly is. And I, I think, you know, just wrapping this up, just saying is that we want to communicate that the view of God that we have as a people needs to be accurate because it's going to determine our actions. And to be able to do that, he desires to be with us. So let's be in his presence. Let's let's look back and see who he is and, and what he's about and and his design moving forward and, and doing that by uh, learning who he is through his his expression of who he is through the word. Well, I know we're about out of time and I'm so looking forward to catching the conversation up again next time and we're talking about who we are as as human beings and and who is man, who is woman, what is humanity in light of this relationship with God and, and his presence. Uh, that's the natural outflow. If the relationship is right with him, now it's got to be right with others, but there's got to be some self-identification going on. So we'll talk about who we are as human beings. Yeah, all right. Well, we'll catch this up next week. Thanks so much for listening.